0: Jordan Assembly of God, Sermon for August 12th, 2012, Pastor Greg Wolf, Title of the Sermon, The Fear of God and the Moving of the Holy Spirit, Part 2. But that's all right. um, last week, in speaking on the fear of God, I really felt it upon my heart that in order to really truly understand what it means to... Host a guest like the Holy Spirit. You really need to know what it means to fear God. And we spoke last week that there's a difference between the kind of fear that drives you in the corner sniveling, sucking on your thumb, wishing all it all to go away and there's the kind of fear that causes you to in reverence follow and to seek and to say I make the choice to serve you God because I love you enough to put off who I am and what I would like to do and what I would like to accomplish. That's a really hard choice that hits us when God asks us and calls us and says, I want you to obey me. Not because it feels right, not because it's what you want to do, but it's because I simply asked you to obey. And when God calls you to obey, you may not understand it, you may not know what it all entails, you may not know what's all going to happen, but He calls you to obey. He, as a Father, calls our, His children to obey Him. And if He's calling us as children to obey Him, I'm thinking that we might need to listen. Might be a good idea to take heed. And last week we we found out how an entire nation, what happens. The Holy Spirit Well, I'll just be bluntly honest. The Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit has caused churches to split, has caused divisions, has caused people to feel uncomfortable, has caused people to want to leave. It causes change. That is the one thing that the Holy Spirit does. It causes change. And it is one of the most um, shied away and even and, and, and here recently even more so even in Pentecostal churches they shy away from talking about it because it is so uncomfortable for people. I've known people that say yes I go to an AG church but you know they're not like that other, those other AG churches they don't speak in tongues or do anything else like that so it's okay for me to actually go there. So I asked them why. I worked with this particular individual and I asked him why. And he said, "Well, it's just it's, it's just too weird. It's just too weird. I can't handle it. It's just it freaked me out. I had to leave the church." And when I told him that I was actually in the assembly of God, he's like, "Oh, you're one of those." I kid you not. I kid you not. You're one of those people. Holy Rollers, you know, churches that I've been in. Um, one of the things, uh, the Assembly of God, just to kind of give you a little bit of history, um, came out of the Azusa Street um, Revival. Um, and it was near that period of time. But it wasn't just us and here in America. I was doing some history lessons on it. And it was, it was worldwide. India, Africa, I mean, it was hitting. The Holy Spirit was causing a huge, wide revival was going on, but what I'm finding is slowly but surely the desire for those things and the desire to see the Holy Spirit fall has really kind of left and has kind of faded. And I don't know why. I, I think we, um, we have a tendency to get into a rut And instead of listening to God, we find things that work, and we just make them work. We walk in certain areas, and it just feels right. And because it feels right, we stick with it. Or we don't want to cause waves, or we don't want to cause problems. You know, the Holy Spirit definitely, when the Holy Spirit falls, it will definitely bring upon a question in your heart. No doubt about it. When the Holy Spirit falls, you are going to have to listen to God or you're going to have to completely say no. No bones about it. It is a convicting um, uh, spirit that that can fall. The Holy Spirit, the actual word, I looked up the Old Testament definitions of of that word in Hebrew. The Spirit of God, as it's said in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 1, are you sure it's clicked on? Oh, actually, no, it's my bad. There we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. All the way in the beginning. Now, I'll flip there just to make sure that I get it right here. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, that word in particular means wind, breath, sensible, or even violent. The air, anger, blast, cool, courage, mind. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, you cannot put him into something that you can just... Readily understand just because. It just doesn't work. The Holy Spirit moves and operates in a realm that we have no inkling in unless we trust God and trust His Spirit. It's really about it when we move in that realm. The Holy Spirit has done a lot of things even in the Old Testament before even getting to the New Testament. Let's turn to 1 Samuel. Chapter 10, 6 through 9. We're going to talk about a king. You say, Greg, you're going to talk about King David, right? Because King David was a man after God's own heart. No, believe it or not, uh, it's Saul, the one who actually disobeyed and got, they had the kingdom ripped away from him. Now, let me just kind of sum it up. King Saul, before he came king, he was very well-liked. Um, from my understanding, kind of buff, you know, nice looking, just looked like a king. I mean, he fit the part of a king. And, um, but he wasn't one of those, you know, you wouldn't go up to him and have an intellectual conversation with him. If you wanted to go out and go hunting or something like that, sure, but having an intellectual conversation, maybe not so much. Just, just really kind at least it gives that attitude. Maybe I'm, I may be jumping a little bit, but it just kind of gives that attitude of this guy really knows how to work it and, you know, really, really there what happens in verse uh, 6 of chapter 10 then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you this is Samuel speaking to um, the soon to become king he was anointed as king then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man another man and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you Verse 8 You shall go down before me to Gilead, or to Gilgal, sorry, Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. That's in verse 10. Should have actually gone one verse more, sorry. And he prophesied among them. And in verse 11, we'll just go one more. And it happened when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Kind of taken aback. Kind of like, wow. The Holy Spirit operates in that kind of realm. It is beyond our reasoning. It's beyond our Control—it It is beyond our understanding, and it's also beyond our comfort zone, which probably makes it more likely that we have a tendency to try and control the things that we cannot control. We try and reason things out that really there is no reasoning out. We try to answer things that have no answer. I don't know why, but it is straight across the board, and, and I can, and, you know, I'm, I've been guilty of it definitely. Where if somebody asks me a question, I feel the need to answer. Don't you ever feel that way? Where you know, if somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know, what about such and such?" and you feel that you should know. And so your brain does a million calculations per second and you come up with the best logical answer that you can think of and you spout it out. Now the unfortunate thing is before you actually speak you should have asked yourself a question in the back of your head. Were you really supposed to answer that question? What's going on here? I don't know. God's in control. I'm going to say that again. What is going on here? I don't know. God's in control. Think about that. If God is in control, I really don't need to come up with an answer. If if God's hand's in it, why do I feel the necessity to come up with an answer that I really don't have? And unless God reveals it to me, then I shouldn't be using my brain to come up with something that I don't have. But yet, I, I have, I've been guilty of it. I, you know, I'm, you know, Probably maybe none of you have, but I know I definitely have come up with these reasonings that make logical sense in my brain. They make logical sense. This is the reason why we do it. Because why? When I was talking with um, Joe Herbold, he, he told me a story. It was a really interesting story. He said this is Lady, and I can't remember the relations. I think he was related in some way, shape, or form. But at any rate, so that she would always cut the ham in half in order to cook it. And when he went up to her, he asked her, why do you cut the ham in half in order to cook it? And, and she, she said, matter-of-factly, it helps it to taste better. That's the way you're just supposed to do it. Right there. Straight across the board. Well, Joe, if you know Joe or have ever been around Joe in any way, shape, or form, Joe is an interesting character. He loves to get down and find things out. So he just didn't let it lie. You know, some people would just take the answer and just go with it. He didn't. So he was next to her mom one day. And his questioning mind wanted to know. So he looks at her mom says, I was wondering, how do you cook a ham? Whole? Really? And she's, then she just remembered. She's like, oh, well, you know, in, in, in the old days, because our oven wasn't big enough, we cut the ham in half and cooked it. That was a that was whole reason right there to cut the ham in half, but her daughter made the mental leap, she saw her mom do it, and that was the best way to do it didn't really ask, just she, she, she went from, "Oh, my mom is doing it, this is the best way to do it." obviously, this is the only way to do it. Be careful to not get in the rut of looking at something the way you've always been taught. Or else you're always going to cook your ham in half when it might be just easier just to put the whole ham in the oven and let it cook all the way through. Be careful, because when you look at Scripture verses and read them, that you're not looking them at them with denominational filters. Well, this is the way I always heard this Scripture. This is the way I always read this. This is the way I was taught to read it. Well, what is God wanting to tell you? Isn't this the living word? What is God wanting to say in that scripture? What is God wanting to actually say? I'm not saying that you should put stuff into it. I'm saying take whatever you're looking at it out and listen to what God is really trying to say. Some things you look at and you just assume are true. My wife makes an example and I had the same one where I really honestly believe that there was a statement in the scripture verses and when I went to a Mennonite church and I was, I was going to preach Sunday school, I was going to teach Sunday school. Now, if you've ever been to a Mennonite church, they don't believe in speaking in tongues, they don't believe in any of the move of the Spirit. So it's really challenging to preach and teach to a people, deliver the truth, but yet not bring an offense. Because you want them to learn the truth, you don't want to offend them. If you know what I mean, I mean, they're not going to listen to you if you offend them but they were going to listen to the word of truth. So I'm looking up in the scripture verses this statement that I've heard all while growing up is about the Holy Spirit. Can't remember exactly, but exactly the terminology, but I remember the the basic I think and I'm I'm looking it up and I do word searching and whatever and blah blah blah. Turns out it's not in the scripture verses. It's actually one of the Assembly of God stances. One of their Things, one of their policies, statements of faith, or but that actual phrase was actually not in the Bible. Not saying that it wasn't biblically founded. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it that phrase, that wording, was not in the Bible. And that was the day when I started to realize that I needed to start stripping away some of my denominational filters because I was reading scriptures through eyes that really were not His. They were my own feelings, like a coffee filter, you know, and everything had to go through my filter, not God's filter, you know what I mean? It's like God would say something and then I I tried to reason in my own brain and it wasn't making any sense. And God's saying, it may not make sense to you, but it makes perfect sense to me, so just trust me. And that's what God does to us. In Luke chapter 3, verse 22, the Spirit is not going to Cause you to do things roughly. I mean, he's just just not going to make it. He's not going to make you do things. Some people I have talked to in the past. Um, when I was still in Oregon or whatever, uh, some of their problems with the moving of the Holy Spirit is because they're like, well, I, didn't, I don't want to be on the ground. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to speak in tongues and whatever. And it was all, I don't, I don't, I don't. And um, I'm like, he's not going to do that to you. That's not the point of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is not to make you look weird to other people. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is to move upon you the greatness of God. The Holy Spirit always comes upon you and moves you in the direction to God and a closer relationship with God. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with all the other things. I will tell you from personal experience of actually being slain in the Spirit, you don't really know that you're falling. And it has nothing to do with actually falling to the ground. It nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with you surrendering to God and allowing God to take full, complete control, and you're okay with it. That's a huge thing right there. It's a huge thing. When, when God comes upon you and you allow yourself, God, I just want more of you. That's what the moving of the Holy Spirit really, truly comes down to. And we see here in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Like a dove alighted. If you are worried, if you are resistant to the move of the Holy Spirit, because just for the very reason that you don't know what's going to happen, trust me. That the Holy Spirit is not going to come over there and just start, you know, just start going boom. By the time he moves, you are going to be comfortable enough in your relationship with God that when you relax into God, whatever the Holy Spirit does is going to be completely fine by you. He's not the kind of God or not the kind of Holy Spirit that comes in and just says, oh, poof. You're going to be seeking him. You're going to be finding him. You're going to be looking for him. Your heart is going to actually be there. And that's what this is all about. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to link with something right now. They were all with one accord. I don't need any raised hands. I really don't want any raised hands. I don't want any confirmation. I don't want any, you know, whatever. I want you to think about this right now. We're a body of Christ. I want to ask a very, very blunt question. Is there any reason in your heart or in your mind that you're resisting any move of the Spirit? Just ask yourself that. Is there anything that is going on that would make you resist the move of where the Holy Spirit is going? It could be time. It could be plans. You come to church, and, and you have plans elsewhere. It could be um, little things. It could be, uh, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to do. I don't understand it. And what I don't understand, I really don't feel comfortable with it. All these make logical sense reasoning except for the problem is is that they're not God's reasoning they're our own reasoning they're our own plans If this is truly God's time if this is truly God's dedication if this this time is really truly God's and when we enter those doors our heart and minds need to be about God not about what we need or what we want to do Remember the other day, or the other Sunday, I think I said, if God did nothing else for us, He's already done plenty. And if He has already done so much for us, I think He deserves the honor and respect that, that we can give Him when entering those doors. So, what does that mean, Greg? Does that mean things might happen? Well, yeah, I mean, anytime God happens, things are going to happen. But I will guarantee you one thing, if if God really truly when when God really moves, it'll always be towards Him. It'll always be calling you closer to Him. And isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Instead of locked in our box of our own understanding, should we not allow God to offend that box and allow us to go to Him and say, God, I'm all yours? Allow God to take us to the place in our lives that says, I no longer have control, it is yours. It's the hardest thing for a human being to actually admit, but it's the one thing that we need to wake up daily and admit. Wake up so much that you find yourself not, any, not not just having to admit it, but you find yourself living in the fact that you really do not have control. I mean, who controls your life and death? Who controls the very air you breathe? What is the definition of the Holy Spirit? Wind, breath, air. You can't get away from it. The scripture says that if you... In Romans chapter 8. Actually, we can go there. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 14. I will have to admit that Romans... that This chapter, Romans chapter 8, is an intriguing chapter. I could probably spend the rest of my life just in this chapter chewing on it because it is so, so deep... Right here. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. This is talking about after you've accepted Jesus. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead... Because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. I'm going to pause right there in verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen to those words right there. If the body is truly dead, why in the world do we constantly and consistently listen to it? Let's say that again. If the body is dead, why do we constantly and consistently listen to it? before listening to God. Think about that when you wake up in the morning. Think about that of what gives you the strength and the energy to go through. Think about that when you're actually really truly doing your day-to-day work. What you're doing is you're in the flesh, yes, but you're, you're not. Your body is dead. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. That's a continuation of verse 10. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Not your righteousness, but the righteousness that can only come from God, can only come into your heart and be applied because God sent His Son to die on the cross for you. Think of that when you wake up in the morning and try and do things on your own. Greg, you're being pretty blunt. I am. Because the moving of the Holy Spirit is so very important in our lives today. If you look at the political infrastructure right now, it's scary. And I don't care if it's the end of days or not the end of days. I don't care if Jesus is coming back tomorrow or if, if he's coming back years and years from now. I don't know that, but I do know this. In order to survive today, we have to cling to God. And if you don't get this, you are in danger. You're separating yourself from the flock. You're separating yourself from being able to listen to God because you're not attuning yourself to the Spirit. You're thinking about what you can do instead of what God can do. How are we going to survive? The only way we can survive is to realize that we are not in control. We don't have anything that we can do. There is no righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so if you're trying to do something that you shouldn't be doing, then you need to really look at your life and realize that it is the Spirit of God that we need to rely on. Greg, do you know what it means to live in the Spirit? No, but I am learning. Well, Greg, what do you mean? You're up there. You're behind the pulpit. Aren't you supposed to pretty much have this? <laughs> no. It's called going to God and saying, God, I want to learn what you have. I want to know what you have for me, and I need to listen to what God has. Listen, I may be the, I may be a leader. I may be the lead sheep, but I'm still sheep. I have to make sure that my ears are as attentive to his voice as your ears need to be attentive to his voice. What did Paul say? Lest I fail. Paul said that. Lest I run the race all the way through and I fail. (laughs) What? Paul said that. Paul was worried. Does that kind of bring into perspective a little bit about what it, what it means to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Don't get so presumptuous in your life that you feel so secure that you don't have to listen. The moving of the Holy Spirit is only around... I mean, if <laughs> I'm telling you. The moving of the Spirit... We need to learn what it means to fear God, but we also need to learn what it means just to trust. Living by the Spirit. Let's continue in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now this is very important. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if the spirit but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live verse 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god who are you We're the children of God. We're the sons of God. Not by physical birth, but because of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. His Spirit dwells in us, and because His Spirit dwells in us, that is the title that He gives us, not that we take on for ourselves. It's a responsibility. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16 through 26. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. That's in Romans chapter 8. What are living according to the flesh? These things. And every single one of these, do not let them be named among you, really. Do not let it. Some people will hold one of these things above the other. Well, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not that person. Or at least I'm not, I'm not doing this. I mean, mine is just really, really, really small. It has nothing to do with size. It has everything to do with what are you allowing to have dominion in your life, to reign in your life. Is your actions getting you in trouble? Is your mouth getting you in trouble? Is what you're looking at getting you in trouble? This is important. The kingdom of heaven is important. God is important. We as a people, as a body of Christ, need to make sure that we are binding these things up and not allowing them to reign in our life. I'm not saying that you're not going to get attacked. I'm not saying that you may not make mistakes. Do not let them have dominion in your life because they cannot unless you let it, they cannot have dominion in your life because you are not under the law, but under grace. So understand that if they are having dominion in your life, if they are beating you up, then it's because you're in some way, shape, or form allowing it. Because the Spirit of God fights up against it. And the flesh wages war with it. What should we have if we're living according to the Spirit? Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. What we'll see when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in Acts fourteen verses um, nineteen through twenty. I won't. I won't go there. You can. I want you to write it down if you want. But that's basically where um, Paul gets stoned and set out of the town to die. And the whole congregation, the whole believers, gather around him, thinking he's dead. And he gets up and he walks back into town. Or how about this one in Acts chapter 5, 15 through 16. The Holy Spirit was moving upon Peter so much that his very shadow was healing people. Guess what I'm saying is this. We need to allow the moving of the Holy Spirit in the church. Because if we do not allow the moving of the Holy Spirit, then that means we're resisting in some way, shape, or form. We as a people are saying no to something that we really shouldn't have a choice to say no to. But yet, we take that upon ourselves to say no. We say, I'm not willing to have it happen when really we shouldn't be doing that we should be all in one accord saying I want more of God now, I want to make this very clear I'm not looking for one particular move I'm not looking for one particular gift I'm not looking spe- specifically for the speaking of tongues and, and the interpretation. I'm not looking for people being slain in the spirit. I'm not looking for people dancing in the aisle way. I'm not looking for people to roll down the aisle. Am I opposed to it? No, I'm not. As long as it is in God, I'm good with it. But I'm going to say this, I'm not looking for a particular gift because that's not my choice. The Holy Spirit will move and make as it will. What I'm calling for us as a body of Christ is to look to God and say, God, I am willing for you to move how you want to move, and any time it happens, I'm okay with it. How are we going to do that? I don't know. When we as a body come into one accord under God and allow Him in our hearts and in our minds to say, you know what, dear God, I want you to move in our church because I want a revival in this town. That's what it's all about. People come when the Holy Spirit moves. The Azusa Street moving of where the Assembly of God got its birth. All the Holy Spirit moving in India and in Africa. In every single account, when the Holy Spirit fell down, people came. Why? Because the people in that church were willing to have the Holy Spirit move. I'm not asking you to make a leap of, well, maybe make a leap of faith, but I'm really asking you to trust in God. Allow Him to move. But Greg, what about all the weird things that I heard way back when? What about the howling or the or the really weird stuff? Okay, you know what? In every single move of God, there's always going to be something that comes up to try and convince us that we shouldn't have it happen. It really is. Everything is going to come up. Evil is going to rise up and say, you know what? This Holy Spirit movement, it's its dangerous. It's There's not a lot of weirdness in here. We can't have it. And then what do we do? We write up policies and we say, oh, we can't have this, we can't have that. And we start literally writing policies against the Holy Spirit. How is that happening? What I'm saying is that this, in our heart, we want a revival in this town, we have to allow it to move. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to move. We have to allow our trust in God to be greater than what we are afraid of. Greg, what if weird things happen? I, uh, it's bound to happen. I think it's weird when a person who believes in God walks into a room and the dead person that's on the, on the bed rises up. It happened in Washington. It can happen here. Oh, that was years ago, Greg. No, that was, that was two years ago. people's limbs growing back they come in, in a wheelchair they go walking out no limbs just saying there's this one church I saw it was an assembly of God church it was a non-denominational church had false legs of people that had gone up to the altar to get prayed for and healed and their false legs were nailed to the wall people's walkers nailed to the wall. Met this one guy. He was blind. Believer in Christ, evangelist. He was blind. He said, I don't know why God has never healed me of my blindness. I don't understand it. But he prays for blind people and they're healed. Fathom that one. What can we see when the Holy Spirit moves? I don't know. Anything God wants it to. And that's Or anything the Holy Spirit wants to move. That's it. That gives me goosebumps. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps. To see God move in a way and make a a testimony to the people outside these walls to say, listen, I am here and I will save you, I will heal you, and I will do those things. God's saying those things and He's looking for a church to say, all right, I trust you, God, enough to allow you to work. And that's a leap. Are you going to be comfortable with it? Probably not at first. But if you allow God to work in your heart and you allow His trust to actually overflow you, then you're going to be good. I have a request do not walk out these doors and just forget ask God about it pray about it because it it takes more than one person up here actually doing it it takes us as a body of Christ saying i want God to move that's it That's my request. Take it seriously, pray about it, and really, really, truly allow God to really show you. And come with the expectation that He's going to move. When you walk into those doors, don't plan something for later on that day. Don't have plans when you walk in this door. If you have plans, your mind is not here, your mind is elsewhere. We should not walk through those doors thinking, hmm, let's see here. I have this thing to do and that thing to do. It's easy to do. Life, it happens. But when you walk through those doors, what if God really falls and He's moving you to go to the altar, but you think of all the other stuff that you need to do? I'm just saying. Think about that. This is God's day and it's God's time. And if it is God's day and it's God's time, what are we going to do? That's my question for you. Take it seriously. Pray about it. Consider it. Allow God to move your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Lord God, I thank you for um, the people's patience. Kind of took them a little bit over. Apologize. Lord God, I thank you for them. Lord God, I pray that you may just move upon this place, move upon this town. Lord God, I pray for revival in this town. I pray a move of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I pray that you will give us hearts that will seek your face and that when we come into this church, we will expect you. Expect you to move in a way that has never been moved before. To move us closer to you, Lord God. Equip us. Protect us. May we always have your words on our lips, Lord God. I pray for your blessings. I pray, pray, Lord God, that you may bless the people here as they go out. And I pray they may go out with blessings, I pray in your name. Amen and amen. amen. You are dismissed.